Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It's great to be with you all this morning, just as Pastor Tasha said. Some of you we haven't seen since March. Praise the Lord, and we just want to welcome you. Welcome everybody who's joining us online. Church, I understand that the way we're set up here, we look like uh, more like shadows up here, but we hope that you'll stay with us. Uh, it's our first shot at outdoors and the light behind us and all the different lighting issues, but we're glad that you're joining us online. For all of you that are joining us here, uh, say this after me. Uh, the life of God dwells in me. And look at somebody and say, the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. If you believe that, you can be seated. Welcome to Freedom Sunday. Just a couple of announcements, right? Uh, after this service, we'll give it about 15 minutes or so, uh, and then we will go down to the pool down there and we'll do uh, our baptism. And so uh, those of you that have signed up for the baptism, uh, we'll give you about 15 minutes to change your clothes. Uh, you can go down to the, the church building down there and change your clothes. If you'll meet with me in about 10 minutes after service right there on the front porch right there, uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, baptism, the meaning. Uh, then we'll come over here and be baptized. If you haven't signed up for baptism and you want to be baptized today, then contact John. John, stand up and wave. He's the handsome guy with the glasses and the New Creation Church golf hat on. And so um, uh, we're going to have a good time. And then uh, we'll, after the baptism, we'll spread out. We'll, we'll eat. We'll have a picnic, uh, play uh, cornhole, do all kinds of things, fellowshipping with one another. And uh, praise the Lord. Just want to uh, acknowledge and have you all uh, give a big hand to our, our maintenance team, our praise and worship team, everybody, our ushers, our greeters, everybody who makes this come off. You know, you can get here and show up and the, the platform's here and the instruments are here and the music's playing and all that stuff's working and the pool's ready, but it took somebody time and effort to put all that together and so we're incredibly thankful for that. Amen. Well, you know, yesterday we celebrated uh, our nation's freedom, our nation's independence. 244 years ago, they signed our Declaration of Independence. And prior to that, Many people came and they were fighting for freedom over an oppressive king. And one of the major things that they were fighting for is that they could have freedom to worship their God in the way that they desired to worship their God. And really since that time of the Declaration of Independence being signed, we've seen many times in our history of our nation where we have fought or we've stood up against oppression, against things that have really tried to keep people down and we've fought those fights even Right now, we're watching people uh, exhibit their freedom and their liberty that they have in our nation, which is a great thing to have freedom. But sometimes we must understand that, really, when we're looking for freedom from an outward place, we can get misled about freedom, about true freedom. And many times we exemplify or we make promises of freedom from the outward, and all of a sudden we find ourselves back under oppressive things that really bind our heart and bind our spirit. And to understand this, whenever oppression comes, oppression comes to tell you that you're not what you really are. It comes to 
tell you that you're something different than you are and that you'll never be anything different than what that oppressor tells you that you will be. But somebody who comes to create freedom, comes to create an avenue so that we can be everything that we were created to be. Hear me very closely that it, it brings us to a place that we can be everything we were created to be. Not everything we ever wanted to be, but everything that we were created to be. It begins to set us free to be something even larger than we ever wanted to be, anything that we could grow past. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. And he said, I pray that you'd understand the love of God, the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of the love of God. Because once you comprehend that and embrace that, it begins to work in you, and it goes far beyond what you could ever hope, dream, ask, or think. God wants to take you beyond your imagination, beyond your thoughts, beyond your want-tos into something that he created for you to be, something and, and give you things that he created for you to have. See, freedom and liberty for any person comes from the inside of them. We've watched different things in history where people declare that they can't be bound up, they can't be uh, set under an oppressive thing because on the inside of them they are free. Something I want to tell us today because we will set the tone for the culture that is to come. We may be watching, we may be looking and saying what's going to go on, but I can tell you this, no matter what goes on governmentally, if we do what we're supposed to do as a church, we can set the tone for a culture if we begin to determine that our freedom lies on the inside of us and our freedom does not depend upon whether or not a man or a person in leadership tells us we can be free. And God set freedom in the Galatians. Paul wrote to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and he says, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And there's a place of true transformation, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and starting in verse 18, verse 17, it says, where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. There is liberty. Where, where the Spirit of God is Lord, there's liberty. It doesn't matter what your geographical location is, what your governmental situation is, where the Spirit is allowed to be Lord of your life, there is true liberty. And where there's true liberty, it says that we look into the mirror, we look into the perfect law of liberty, and we are transformed. We're changed from one degree of glory to the next even as by the Spirit of God. I have to ask you this one question right in the middle of commercial message. Can you all hear me back there? Can everybody hear? All right. They can hear. I can't hear. Can you give me a little bit of, before I totally uh, blow myself, my voice out? He said, listen, when you're looking into this perfect law of liberty, this perfect freedom that God has given, transformation begins to take place. What transformation? All those areas where what people have said about you, what people have done to you, what people uh, have tried to form in you, the things that sin has done to create guilt and shame and restrict you. All of a sudden, this perfect law of liberty shows up the person God created you to be rather than the person that circumstances of life have made you to be. 
And so many people in our day are restricted by the circ- what the circumstances of life have made them to be. And because they feel bound, because they feel heavy, they're looking towards a man or a system to make them feel free. But it doesn't matter what man or system. If the Son has set you free, you are absolutely free indeed. Praise the Lord. I'm going to have to turn my page. I'm not used to, if you're visiting, I'm just not used to holding a mic and doing any kind of activity at all. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So I want to talk to us a little bit today about, and don't turn me off right away, because I know just giving you this title, it could turn you off in in a heartbeat, like I know that. But I want to talk to you today concerning the real avenue to freedom. And the God kind of love is the very avenue to true freedom. The God kind of love is the true avenue to freedom because love sent Jesus to the cross. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He would be set free from the law of condemnation and sin and death and be set free into eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. People sometimes say, Saved from what? I I don't know what I, I just want to go to heaven. But He says, I want you to be saved from the very things that bind you and dictate to your life. And so, Ephesians, the second chapter, starting in the first verse, Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. Praise the Lord. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of and in order to satisfy his great love for us, sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for us, to set us free from those things. Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, starting in the, uh, from the New Living Translation, it says, So now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It says God sent Jesus. He loved us so much to set us free from the power of sin that brings condemnation and leads to death. It leads to death, not only physical death, but it leads to the death. Sin always leads to the death of the dreams and the visions that God had planned for you from the beginning. Once you get caught up in sin and disobedience and guilt and condemnation begins to govern your life, all of a sudden you're not free to fulfill what you were called to fulfill, but you're always looking back to the mistakes and the mistakes of others that have kept you. It gives you an excuse not to get farther down the road. But when we understand the love of God and we understand that we live by a different rule and a different law that really dictates and commands the direction that we go and the destination that we end up in, we begin to find true freedom and true liberty. 
James chapter 2, and starting in verse 8 from the Passion Translation, says, Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love. As given to us in this scripture, you must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live. But when you show prejudice, you commit sin and you violate this royal law of love. For the one who attempts to keep all the law of Moses but fails in just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. For the same one who tells us do not commit adultery also says do not murder. Now if you don't commit adultery but you do commit murder, you are still guilty as a lawbreaker. So we must both speak and act in every respect like those who are destined to be tried by the perfect law of liberty. And remember that judgment is merciless for the one who judges others without mercy. So by showing mercy, you take dominion over judgment. See, so often we're looking to see where everybody else is at. We're looking and making judgments about if they're living right and not according to us. But there's a law of liberty that says, listen, I set you free from all of that I deserve, I need to do. And we put ourselves in a position of a heart-given love for God and a love given for people. And all of a sudden there's a liberty and a freedom that transcends everything that we ever dreamed about. Now listen to me very closely because you're all thinking, wait a minute. Wait a minute, this is not possible. Because love is going to dictate that you give. And every time that we think about, you know what, I have to give to somebody, that doesn't seem like I'm free. But you're actually more free than you've ever been. We always look at the things, you know what, it's lawful for me to do this and it's lawful for me to do that. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, when I came under Christ, I found out that it's lawful for me to do a lot of things that I didn't think were lawful. But he said there's a higher law that's at work. And the law that's at work is not what I, what I can do, the law of what I can do if I want to, but the law at work of the things that I don't do that I could do. And he said the law of love puts me in a position of freedom to say, you know what, I don't have to do that if it offends you. I don't have to do that if it affects you adversely. I don't have to do that if it would affect my witnessing of the love of Christ to you. See, so often we fall under the bondage of saying, I can do whatever I want to do. But there's a higher love that goes beyond what you want to do to what really you're inspired to do because you love other people. It's a freedom that very few of us have really attained to, but as we talk about Independence Day, there's a true independence that God put on the inside of each and every one of us. And it's called the love of God that he's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit of God that allows us to go beyond our selfish nature into the very nature of God and see others as God sees them and see our, our future and our hope as God sees it rather than limiting ourselves by our feelings, our emotions, and what others have done to restrict us. We are now free to be everything that God called us to be. When we as a church begin to look at the moving of the Spirit of God and know that there's miraculous things that are ready to take place, Lester Summerall continually said this, you'll never have any great moving of the Spirit and manifestations of the gifts without love and unity. So often in our own hearts and minds, we restrict God from moving in our life in dynamic ways to bring us to the next station that He has for us because we've allowed things that have been done to us to put us in bondage and to restrict us from moving forward. 
We're always looking backwards to something that has been done to us, feelings that have been hurt, situations that we've been having. When we look at the love of Christ and we look at that resurrection, in his resurrection there was truly freedom. When he came out as we sang that song, he made us free from death, hell, and the grave. Everything that sin would do in resurrection life creates freedom for us. Paul said that if we would crucify our flesh, we would then raise to a new life of the Spirit. There's something in the love of God that's not human. It's not human love that says, I'll do this for you because I'll get something in return. But there's something in it that says, I'll do this for you because of how it will help you. Not what I get in return, but what it will do for you. Knowing that if it does something for you, I've just been released into something greater. I've really been released into a greater power to help someone else. I've been released into a greater power, the power of love that begins to work miracles. See, we want to work miracles because of how we will look. And if the miracle doesn't work, do we look bad? But if we begin to walk in the law of love and love people for what it will do for them, it'll release us into miracle working power because we're not looking and saying, if I do a miracle, I can build a ministry. No, if I do a miracle, you might be changed. We become more free than we ever dreamed that we would possibly be. I'm just going to share these four things with you. And then we'll do whatever comes next. But number one, I just want to show you, and, and it may be a little bit of a twist on words, but it all flows together in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Understand this, number one, the love of the truth, the love of the truth will set you free from lies in your life. The love of the truth, not the love of facts, but the love of the truth will set you free from the lies that the enemy has propagated and perpetuated in our lives. John, the 8th chapter, the 32nd verse says this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Most of you all say, I know that. And the way you'd quote it is, the truth will make you free. But that's not what it says. It says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How are you ever going to know the truth? Well, I've read the Bible over many times. Well, you can know, have a knowledge of the truth in your head, but there's something to embrace the truth of what Jesus has done for you. How do you embrace the truth of what Jesus has done for you? You love the truth more than you love anything else. I love your word, O oh God. I loved your words, and I did eat them, Jeremiah said. I partook of them. I love them so much that I partook of them. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you're free indeed. So you can think we live in America. We've never been bound by anybody. But there's things that bind you and hold you. And he said, if the sun makes you free, if the truth reveals freedom to you, you're absolutely free. No matter what your circumstance, no matter what your geographical location, no matter what your governmental situation, whom the sun has set free is free indeed. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. 
Number two, the love of righteousness and grace will set you free from sin's oppression. See, most of us miss that. We're, 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 we're moving through life and we feel limited in life and we look at people that we feel like have limited us, but sin, wrongdoing, creeps in to oppress us in so many different ways. But to love righteousness blesses us in so many ways. Psalms 45 verse 7 says this, You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. He said, listen, when we love righteousness and we hate wickedness, God anoints you with oil of gladness. When others' wickedness around them oppresses them, all of a sudden, and the sin around them oppresses them, when we love righteousness, there's an anointing to have gladness even more than the people that you walk with. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I, I've, I've pastored for uh, 28 years. I've been in ministry for 38 years. And the one thing that troubles people more than anything else is they can't seem to get over things in their life. And right here it reads that if we will just receive the abundance of the grace of God and the gift of righteousness that Jesus provided for us, that loving relationship, that right relationship with God, we begin to reign over our life. We begin to say what does come and what doesn't come. We begin to say what we will do and what we won't do according to God's word. We won't be dictated to by our sin or our past or the strategy of the enemy, or the course of this world, we will begin to walk in the very light of God's grace and the power of His grace. He goes on to say, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. In other words, forgiveness of all that you've done, breaking every yoke of bondage. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God said, I have an answer. When sin tries to come into your life and overwhelm you and push you down and hold you down, he said, there is a grace in righteousness that causes you to rise above the sin that would try to press you down and raise you above all of that, that you might reign over it and rule over it, not have it rule over you. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just asking this question. Maybe not today. It's Freedom Sunday. You feel great. There's going to be a baptism go on. Yee! You're not thinking about it, but I'll plant the seed for Wednesday. Because Wednesday is about the day after a good Sunday that we're like, you know what? My mistakes, other people... Because of all these situations, because of other people, because of the way I was raised, because of all that, I just can't be everything that I feel like I should be. That means life is reigning over you. You're not reigning in life. You're not free to reign over the things, the desires, the hurts that come into your life. You feel hopeless and helpless. It's come. It's affected my life. What am I supposed to do? You're to embrace the love of God. You say, just love? Come on. 
I need something more powerful. There is nothing more powerful in all of the universe than the love of God. It was the love of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. There's been no greater power in the universe ever exerted than that which raised Christ from the dead. And the love of God will come and raise you from the deadness of those circumstances that you say, I can't make it. You don't understand what happened to me. Somebody did this to me. This situation happened. I got a wrong boss. I live in the wrong place. I'm so limited. Resurrection life and the love of God will come in and break all that mindset and give you an oil of gladness to say, I'm glad that I'm in relationship with God. And I am a son and a daughter of the Almighty God. There is nothing greater than Him. There's no situation, no circumstance, no person, no job that's greater than my God. And my God loves me so much that He sent Jesus to set me free from anything that would reign over my life so that I could begin to reign in life through Him. Not without Him, through Him. Listen to what Romans chapter 6, verse 13 in the Message Bible says. Verse 13 through 19. Don't even run little errands that are connected with your old way of life. In other words, when the old way just comes and says, this is what we do. This is how we roll. Come on, some people want to serve God, and all of a sudden by Wednesday, it's like, nah, this is how we roll. We don't roll that church way. On Sunday, we roll that way, but on Wednesday, we roll this way. No, this isn't how we roll anymore. He said, don't even run run little errands that are connected with your old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in freedom of God. What is true freedom? It's all in caps. What is true freedom? So since we were out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we were free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, And it's your last free act. But offer yourself to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master. One who commands, set you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you? How at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness? Come on. See, the enemy tries to say just doing what you want is freedom, but just doing what you want is not freedom. Doing what you've been created to do is true freedom. It's true freedom. Praise the Lord. Are you all with me? So to love the truth sets you free from the lie. To love righteousness sets you free from sin's oppression. 
Just to know this, true love sets you free from being a victim. True love sets you free from being a victim. You know, the enemy has tried through life to victimize so many people. We all have a story of being victimized by somebody or something. Some people's story is worse than other people's stories, situations different than other situations. But I believe that Jesus spoke to us about the love of God so that we could never become a victim. And listen, if you never become a victim, then you always get to be the victor. You always get to win over every circumstance of life. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, but I say to you, here, you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. This is not one we go over today too much, in, even in Christian circles. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. See, we all feel like we're good because we don't have tunics. Doesn't apply to me, but it does apply to us. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not that you be not judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will uh, be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, some of you are familiar with that last portion of Scripture I read. You're like, whoo, giving it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a, good, that's a good word. He precedes that whole good word with a whole lot of other stuff. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. What's he doing? I know we read this Scripture and everybody starts to push it off. Listen, Pastor, I don't care what you say. I'm not going to be a doormat. Somebody strikes me on the cheek. I'm not turning the other cheek. I'm not letting somebody smack me on the cheek. We as Christians aren't called to be doormats. I know we're not called to be doormats. Just listen to what I'm saying. I don't believe Jesus was calling anybody to be a doormat. But what he was saying is he was saying, I can protect you from ever being a doormat, and I can protect you from ever being a victim. Because you can't be a victim and say somebody took something from you if you never hold on to it long enough to have it taken. If you give it to somebody, they can't take it. See, we're not living with the victimization of Jesus on the cross because they didn't take Jesus' life. Jesus gave it. He wants to say, look, at we took his life. He said, you didn't take my life. I gave you my life. And because he gave his life, God raised him from the dead in total freedom, and it purchased freedom for us. 
When somebody comes to take from you, if you love with the love of God and you actually extend and give something to them, you're never a victim of what they've taken because they can't take from you what you're willing to give to them in love. It's true absolute freedom. I was studying for this message on freedom the other night, and we, we were just sitting there uh, on our phones, which I'm really not usually on my phone, but Tasha was on her phone. I felt alone, so I got on my phone. <laughs> and the television was going, which is really difficult for me. I'm not a multitasker, and so she can be on the phone typing, listening to a television in one room and the stereo in another room. Don't know how that works, but it works. I'm pretty much focused. If I'm on my phone, I need to be on my phone. If I'm watching television, I need to be television. If I'm writing, I need to be writing. If I'm reading, I need to be reading. I can't do all of it at once. But strangely enough, I'm doing two things at once. And it's just going by, it's just going by, and then all of a sudden, this very impactful story came on, and I want to tell this story to you. It's very close to where we live. It happened in 2011 on the eastern slope of Colorado. This young lady named Lydia Tillman was raped. She was beaten unrecognizable. She had bleach poured all over her. She was set on fire and thrown out a second-story window and left to die by her rapist. On top of that, all the injuries triggered a stroke. And when she was at the hospital, they never, ever thought that she would make it. During the process of time that she was in the hospital, day by day making it when they didn't think that she would ever make it, they found her rapist. They found the person who raped her, beat her, poured bleach on her, and threw her, lit her on fire, and threw her from a second-story window. As they caught him and put the evidence together for the trial, they found that he had also raped and murdered another woman in Colorado. And so they were going through the whole trial. And just nine months, I believe it was nine months, that might not be right, nine months, as they're getting ready to sentence him in trial, Lydia Tillman is actually coming out of rehab. She's still not really able to talk, but she goes to the sentencing trial. And she writes out her comment to the judge about this man's sentencing. And what she wrote out was, I forgive him. I forgive him. It was incredible. But she said, I need to forgive him so that I can be free to fully recover. They said because of her stroke, because of her injuries, that she would never speak. But in this program, at the end of it, she's sitting there giving an interview, speaking and articulating very clearly what her forgiveness for that man has done for her. The interviewer said, I mean, just his, his jaw was to the ground. He said, I, I just have to ask you, how could you do that? And she said, I choose love. She said, I chose freedom. She said, I knew if I didn't forgive him, I would be bound by this 
all the time. The interviewer said, so never, you, you, you don't ever have, think of this and have bitterness. She kind of smirked from the side of her mouth. Like, of course, these memories try to come back. But she looked at him and she said, I win. I win. When you think love doesn't set you into true liberty. Listen, that man went to jail. But he could have gone to jail. And Lydia could have been held in the jail of her circumstance and her beating as bad as it was all of her life. But she's grown and she's obtained health and healing and strength through one avenue to her testimony. I forgave him. She said, I knew if I wouldn't have forgiven him, I would have had a very difficult time healing. My road to healing, fully healing, was to forgive him. If you want to be free from past circumstances, the love of God will move you to forgiveness. And forgiveness is the way to true freedom from those situations. I know many people are like, well, that's good for Lydia, but I can't do it. Listen, you can't live free without it. It may be difficult for you, but to find true healing in your life, whether physical, whether mental, or whether emotional healing needs to take place, it's all through the avenue of love and forgiveness that it takes place. Because when you open up to the love of God, the very life and character of nature of God flows into your spirit. And what that life of the spirit is, is it brings help and strength to your mortal body. At the end, she gave the interviewer a bracelet. She said, I want to give this to you. I want you to open it. It has an acronym for her name on it. And the acronym for her name, Lydia, is Live Your Days Inspired Anew. Live your days inspired anew. Don't live your days bound by the past. Don't live your days bound by mistakes that you've made. Don't live your days by things that have happened to you. But through love and forgiveness, live your days inspired anew. Number four and the last one, love will set you free from all fear. One thing that grips us is whether it's the fear of man, the fear of not living up, the fear of punishment, the fear of retribution of our mistakes that we've made. Whatever it is, perfect love casts out all fear. The Bible says why? Because fear has torment. God doesn't want us to live tormented by fear. God wants us to live free from fear. And when we live free from fear, we can live in faith. When we can live in faith, the Bible says the just live by faith. And we live in faith apart from the things of the past, having forgiven those things from the past, having set our mind on the truth of God's word, having living in that right, right relationship and the grace of God. We live in true freedom and liberty. And our faith in God goes beyond just a I believe. It goes to a trust in, a reliance upon, an adherence to that brings us into a fullness of everlasting life. As we celebrate the freedom of our nation and the freedom that we have to speak our mind and the freedom that we have to be jealous and the freedom that we have to talk against others, we may, it may be lawful for us to do all of those things. It may be lawful for us to, to just say whatever we want to say, do whatever we want to do. But I encourage us today as the church 
to not just live according to the law of the freedom that we have in the United States of America, which I'm glad for that, and I love this nation. But I'm talking to citizens of this nation that are first and foremost not citizens of this nation, but citizens of the kingdom of God. That if we live according to our citizenry and our freedom according to the kingdom of God, we can have a dynamic effect on this nation that we live in and the freedoms that we have. As you look into this word, you're looking into the perfect law of liberty. It's not restricting, it's not confining, but it comes from the heart to deliver you from every yoke of bondage that, might try to, that may try to keep you from fulfilling and being not what you want to be, but what you were created to be. Let me just end with this. You were not created to be a plumber. You were not created to be a financier, a banker. You weren't created to be a garbage man. I wasn't created to be a minister. You were created to become like Jesus. And you can be like Jesus and be the best plumber that you were ever called to be. You can be like Jesus and be the best banker you were ever called to be. You can be like Jesus and be the best minister you were ever called to be. But without being like Jesus, you can't be the best that you were created to be. Jesus came to set you free from the old man and bring you into the possibility of being exactly what you were created to be, a son and a daughter of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this nation that we live in. We pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. God, that there would be a move of your spirit in Washington, D.C. that would begin to deal with the hearts of our leaders. God, that in the day that we live in, the love of God, the concern for people would flood their hearts, not just political power, not their own agendas, but God, truly a care for people of this nation. Guide and direct them, Lord. For those who are not in it for leadership, they're just in it for political power. Move them out of the way and raise up leaders in our nation that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And God, as we pray for the leaders of our nation and the freedoms of our nation, we pray even now for the church, every individual, every leader of the church, Father, that we would understand the liberty by which Christ makes us free. That we don't have to live in rebellion to systems. We can live in freedom no matter what the system because the freedom comes from our heart. And you're the only one that deals with our heart if we allow you to. So we thank you and we praise you today. We glorify you today for the freedom by which Christ has made us free. For just a moment, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, you know what, I need freedom in my life. I've let circumstances of life bombard me and hold me down and keep me from the place that I want to go. Well, the beginning of that freedom is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you're here today and you say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Well, the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The beginning of that freedom is to say, Jesus, I know that you came and died for my sin and sin had me bound. I want to relinquish that sin and make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sin and raised from the dead. If you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, just with your head bowed and eyes closed, raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning.
could be a brand new start of freedom and liberty in your life. Don't know everyone here, so we don't want to leave and neglect anyone receiving Jesus Christ and the freedom in their life. Let's just pray this prayer together. Some have raised their hands. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. And today, I desire to leave my old man behind and enter into a newness of life. So, I invite you into my heart. And I call you Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sin. That God raised you from the dead. That I might be forgiven. And enter into a relationship with you. As a son of God. Thank you for forgiving me. And giving me newness of life. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time. If you would let someone around you know, uh, they would let us know, and we would love to get you just some, some small books that will help you move forward in your journey and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Remember, those of you who are being baptized, uh, we'll meet down there in just about 10 minutes. You can change your clothes, and then we'll be doing baptism in 15 minutes, or just a little over 15 minutes. We'll do it at a quarter to 12. How's that sound? Quarter to 12. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. We'll see you.